And welcome back to another so happy episode of the Maiden City. We're definitely not talking about the Giants getting murdered by 40 points. Uh, Jack, we're, we're, we're at the final stretch of the MLB season. The Mets have, I think it's nine games left. Uh, I think it's like seven with Philly. And then I forget who's in between there. But either way. Miami's in there again. Okay, there you go. Um, at home, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're currently moments away from starting their final road series of the season against Philly and then home with Miami and then Philly again. So, I, I mean, I was thinking about this on the car ride home from work today. It, it it seems like there's a little bit of a parallel between this year and 2021, but I'm enjoying watching this team a lot more because of who's playing the games. Mark Vietz right, is showing out a lot. Brett Beatty is starting to look a little better at the plate. Francisco Alvarez is just him. Pete's Mauricio is electric. Mauricio's an electric factory, 100%. Lindor is going for 30-30. Pete's trying to get to 50. There's a lot of exciting Sanga things starts. that... Well, I mean, it helps when, like... I mean, the pitching's been good, and I think pitching's that's been a lot better. kind of... I think the biggest turnoff when you get to bad teams is usually... the. It's usually just the pitching. The pitching is atrocious but i mean like jose budo is throwing very well yeah. peterson's been throwing great since he got back to the rotation even mcgill has looked better lately throw that in with fuego with um fuego who's always pretty good and then sanga still going for a top five cy young finish top five rookie of the year finish the pitching's been good and i think as long as the pitching's good and they're in games they're still fun to watch i mean if they lose every game four to three the rest of the way i'm not going to complain no if you told me in February, that Pete's going to hit for 50 homers and go for 120 RBI. Lindor is going to go 30 homer, 30 steal, 100 RBI. Nimmo's going to have a career high in home runs. He's going to match 25. Alvarez is going to hit 25. And Kodai Singh is going to get not only rookie of the year, but Cy Young votes. I'm asking how many wins do, like, how far ahead are we in the division? I like those things aren't, aren't what you say about a fourth place team. No, but I also think that goes to show um, when they say that 2020, the Mets, you know, when the Mets say they don't expect to go all, go all in in 2024, but they still expect to contend. I think stuff like that is why. And, you yeah. know, and you have Mark Vientos with 900 OPS in the month of September. You know, Brett Beatty hit a 440 foot bomb, 120 off the bat last night or some stupid shit. Mm, I mean, that's a really and, good sign, too. Right. I mean, Ronnie Mauricio walked twice yesterday. That's a that's a month for him. <laughs> Shit is hitting the fan. But um, I mean they're fun to watch right now, and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Is yes, they're still losing, and I mean they're probably around five hundred for the month of September. If I just just had to guess off the top of my head, I think because I was actually looking at the sport. I think they're eleven and nine. So yeah, around five hundred. Yeah, I mean more or less they have broken even this month, which is, I mean, with the draft lottery now, I think. And the you know, the fact that the Nationals can't pick in the top six this year due to um, new CBA rules from luxury tax thresholds, mm-hmm. um, revenue sharing, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think yeah, I I didn't check the um I didn't check the lotto the lottery today, but last I saw they were a game and a half back because the Angels are just the most unserious franchise that there is. Um, and I remember us talking about Billy Epler being a generational seller. And the ge- not a seller, generational tanker. Mm-hmm. 
about what they're doing in Los Angeles is criminally good in terms of tanking. <laughs> I mean, just putting every fucking dude on waivers that they can. Yeah, and, and still like, not getting and, and, below and lost the tax. In all this, what lost in all this is that Noah Shanuel is actually playing really well. Yeah. They called up their first-round pick from this year after, like, not even 30 career minor league games, and he's playing really well. Yeah, he set a franchise record for most consecutive games on base to start a career. But he's, he's a good piece for them going forward. Mauricio just missed the tank. Just no. warning track power, um. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, where do we, where do we even want to start with this one, Jack? Well, I'm going to start with we we you and I circled the their last Monday day off, February or September 25th, yeah, 24th, whatever that Monday is, as their day that it comes out that David Strains is hired. Um. So I mean, we definitely beat that timeline. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not like official, but it's not going to be official till after the season, is what everyone reported. Probably the first day of the off season, right? Right. So it is what it is. But um, I think we start this episode with the Pete contract Mm -hmm. and the reports yesterday that they're there on AAV and whatnot, but they're not there on years. And I was talking about this with my dad. I think there's a point in baseball contracts. Granted, baseball contracts are unlike any other contract in sports. Sure. I mean, yeah, hockey might be around there with the years and whatnot. But but the money is laughable compared to baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think Nathan McKinnon's the highest paid player in hockey. At like 14. Highest paid player in hockey. I think it's like 12. Yeah, it's it's comical. Meanwhile, and ten million is is someone off the bench at this point. Twelve million is less than what Mark Canna makes. Right, who is having huge moment after huge moment for Dude, the Brewers. Stop. I think someone what put this other day. The way someone phrased this to me the other day was, "He's his stint with the Brewers is the exact type of stint that gets you as their color guy for ten years." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he is turning into a legend in Cheesetown. Yeah, but um. I think if you're if you're willing to go seven at that point, I think tacking on years to guarantee that like you might have to go ten to guarantee that you get seven. And at that point, you deal with years eight, nine, and ten when they come. Because I mean, the Mets are never going to be financially hampered by the back end of bad contracts. I mean, they're paying James McCann twelve million dollars to go be bad elsewhere. They're paying Robbie Cano $20 million to sit at home and shoot more PEDs <laughs> up his ass. Mm-hmm. They pay, they're going to pay Scherzer and Verlander $50 million next year on top of the prospects they got um, to be old and potentially bad in the AL West. Mm-hmm. You know, Verlander out or Scherzer out for the rest of the year. Verlander not looking good. Verlander last four starts, not great. Do we? So. <laughs> Like the financials are never going to be a problem for the Mets. So I think if you're willing to go seven years, I think you have to effectively also be willing to go eight, nine, or ten just to guarantee that you can get those seven years. Now, do you go the last do you go, three when you get there? Do you go ten years but opt out after like year six? I think the best thing the Mets can do is probably a seven or eight year contract with incentives that kick in. A, Two more guaranteed years. 
you know, like that Verlander year, the third year on that contract is not was isn't an option. That's right. um, it's a vesting option. Yeah, I mean that's incentives that kick in. Right. The guaranteed year. What was it? He needs to pitch 145 next year. So he gets 145 innings next year, and it kicks in guaranteed 2025. Right. So if there's something where he plays 120 games and hits 30 homers in year eight, or in year seven, kicks in an automatic year eight. So, I mean, I'd be fine with something like that because if, at that point, if you're still getting 30 and 100 and playing 120, 130 games out of a 38 year old. Sure. And at that point with the with the way contracts are going and just constantly getting higher and higher and more inflated by the year, the money that they're gonna be paying Pete, it's gonna look like nothing. Well, and that's I one of the reasons why Philly signed Harper to that 13 year deal. That looks like a steal. Now, now I'm not comparing Alonso to Harper in terms of their, their quality of player, but I'm just I'm just talking contract to contract. Right. And I think Kind of the main point that people are kind of missing in this conversation is when you look at first base contracts like Olsen got eight for 120, 162, and admittedly took a hometown discount. Mm-hmm. Goldschmidt got five for 130 at his age 33. Freeman got five for one six for 162 mm-hmm. at a similar age. Um, I think Freeman was 32 when he got that deal too. So it was two yeah, years. So these guys are in their late, in their mid, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, Olson's the same age when he takes that deal, and there's someone else: Goldschmidt, Freeman, Olson. Another first baseman took like a good contract lately. I'm blanking on who it is, but I mean, so, Abreu got three for like 65 or something like that. But right, but so I mean, it's. The contracts are going to be similar, I think, between Olsen and Alonzo more so than Freeman and Goldschmidt. Mm -hmm. Because I think just the difference being that you're taking, seemingly these contracts are taking first baseman to the same point. If you're a top-level third baseman, first baseman, you're getting taken to your age 36, 37, 38 years. Right. And that's when these deals are going to run up. You know, there's not the same security that you're giving a – a shortstop or an outfielder that okay yeah we're gonna carry you through your age 41 year like these contracts are almost you know all of them are gonna run up when these guys are 37 38 right you know freeman and goldschmidt are aging very well you know but we have no idea how a olsen or an alonzo is gonna age but i think you feel better about the power aging than you do if you if this thing was defense or contact Mm. so i mean if you told me that tomorrow morning I'll wake up to the news of the Mets and Pilonzo settled on eight years, 200 million, I'm not going to complain. I mean, I try not to complain about contracts just because it's not my money. And I think that's kind of dumb. And Steve Cohen's richer than God, as we've said plenty of times. Plenty of times. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything to complain about there. No, and I mean for the people you, who thought you, you can't Alonso let, was going to get traded, I don't understand where that where they thought that in the slightest. Well, and and, and again, the only team that was leave. rumored to to be in on Alonzo was Milwaukee. With hello, who was running the who was running the ship at that point? He's over here now. He's running our ship. If that was like 
how nobody caught on to that is is beyond me. By the way, David Peterson, too bad is two walks, so not great so far. Um, I, I just like whoever bought into that. Looking at you, Salicata, you're look yourself in the mirror. Pete Alonso right. was never going to get traded. This is a guy that by if he stays healthy by the middle of next year will set every power record in Mets franchise history. This is a franchise that's been around since 1962. And he's going to set the record in his... Before he hits free agency. Before he hits free agency. It would have already been shattered if it weren't for COVID. I I just... I think (laughs) the other aspects of it is... I made this point the other day. And like you Um, said, you can't let hometown guys go. You can't let hometown guys go. That's something the Mets have not been good at. And that's something that's been really bad at. I mean, Wheeler walked. Obviously, yes, DeGrom left. But... That seemingly was fine, all things considered. Now, um, but you let Nemo and hit the open market. Diaz got close. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about Diaz. I honestly, I thought Nemo was gone. I right. thought there was a lot of smoke but, between so him and Toronto. Were, I thought that was pretty much the done. Replacement but then, was Kevin Kiermaier. Go. Right. Sure. And I think you have to consider the drop offs with these things. Sometimes, I mean. I mean, so if they bring in Lindora, what they do, and you let him hit the open market, I mean, that's that's ultimately a failure. You don't make that trade unless you know for a fact you're getting an extension right. done, which is why and, I was never In the same breath, you don't keep Alonzo and not trade him if you aren't confident you get a deal done. So that's why you're think... then letting him walk for nothing, which is basically what the Angels are doing with Otani. Right, and what they're going to do for Trap. If like I what I don't understand is and again, let's go back to the deadline. Now, Scherzer and Verlander were the quite literal opposite of homegrown, but they were willing they were showing that if you weren't under contract past a certain point, we're willing to deal with you. You could have had Verlander for two and a half more years and, and they I decided think that to trade him and eat a is shit the end ton of, next of money. Year. Right. So if if they want to trade Alonzo, it would have already happened when they could have maximized his value. The, the longer you keep Alonzo, the less value you have for him, obviously. But right. if they want to trade him, they could have already. They're not trading Alonzo. No, I mean, I, I I'd be stunned also, if they trade Alonzo. There's also a point of if you're a brand new executive with the team, one of your first orders of business can't be trading the face of the franchise. And at this point, one of the 10 most prodigious power hitters in baseball history. If you look at home runs per at bat, I think he's third or, all, all time. time. All and time. Not active players. Season, I mean, by the end of this year, he will have 19, 21, 22, 23. He will have five full years if you count the COVID year. Right. But he'll have five full seasons played. How many guys have averaged 45 homers a year five years in? It doesn't happen. So, I mean, I, I think it'd be. I would be floored if mm-hmm. they trade him. I would be surprised if they don't extend him. I would be pretty upset if they let him walk for nothing. I think that's the other thing. I think that's the other thing. If if we're in you know mid June 2024 and there's still no extension and it doesn't seem like there's going to be an extension, then it's going to be a conversation of uh, do we do we test the market. Because it's like you you can't at, at like 
You need to learn from the mistakes of other franchises. The Angels messed up not trading Shohei Otani. Even for two and a half months, the absolute haul you could have gotten back for Shohei Otani's absurd. Let's, let's, let's not even go with Otani. Let's go with another example. The Padres are going nowhere. I don't care that they've won seven straight. I don't care. I don't care who they're playing the last nine games, whatever it is. They're not getting in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. They were, they've been dead for three and a half months, and it's going to stay that way. However, they have a guy in Blake Snell that could have really helped them in the future. Josh Hader. Josh Hader is another one. Josh Hader, they have no ties to. They traded for him. It's not like he was a homegrown guy. Blake Snell wasn't a homegrown guy. Blake Snell's been there longer, but still, you could have traded the guy who's going to win the Cy Young. And a closer who has a the guy who sub one and a half reliever, ERA reliever of the year, more than likely, very likely the two best at their position in the National League this year, especially as a lefty, both lefties. And you held on to him. The Padres are going to be in a, in a a mess for a while because their roster construction is is appalling. They could have really helped themselves to win next year and the year after that if they traded those two guys, but instead they got greedy. They got selfish and they said there's pretty much stamp hat. Yeah. And you, and that, that is a mistake. And that'll ultimately, I mean, that's going to be one that'll define AJ Preller's job. I mean, if, if on two separate occasions, he goes all in and it ends that way twice. I mean, at what point, your ownership in San Diego do start to ask questions. Now, let, now since we're talking about trades, I think I've, I maybe even posed this question before, but I'll, if not, I'm not sure. But even if I have, I'll pose a question again. Let's just say we're we're in, I don't know, December, right? Mets aside, free agency, not much going on there. Uh, they're not going to land one of the big guns, but they want, they still want to make their, you know, their yearly big move. Would you trade one of Beatty, Mauricio, Vientos, one of those three, if it meant getting a guy like Nolan Arenado Queens. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time. And I think the biggest problem in baseball right now, and that I think will come to a head this winter, is the big guys that are considered movable or however you want to phrase it, they don't, like, for the most part, they're on teams that are going to expect to be good next year. Sure, and but I think, I think you'll never find a Cardinals team that's like, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna trade Arenado. We're blowing it up. Mm-hmm. Those Cardinals will never blow it up for as long as they exist. No, you know, I, I'd be shocked. This is the the, the most of a blow up they've ever done. Right. I mean, the Padres have a still a really good run differential and just have a horrible one one run record. Right, game record in one run games. So I'd be shocked if it's like the opposite of the Marlins. Right, like I'd be shocked if they blow it up. I mean, really, like it's what's gonna the question of what's out there this winter is going to be a big one because I'm not sure what there will be aside from the immediate free agents, mm-hmm. especially with guys who've been rumored every year like Reynolds finally tied up. Right. So I mean. The other question is like, are you comfortable selling low on Brett Beatty? Is getting Nolan Arenado selling low? No, but Brett Beatty's not getting you Nolan Arenado. 
At this no, point, no, 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 Brett no, no, Beatty's no, no. getting it, it, you probably a decent starter. I'm not saying as a one for one. I'm saying as the key piece of the package. It's I I don't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just because I think you're trying you have this model of it would be an unforced error for the sake of I think just making a move. That's a very that's a very angels move. That's true. Um, because I think you're trying to build this identity and infrastructure of a sustained winner with a good farm system. So you trade all these older guys on on big contracts that you don't know if they're over the hill or not. Who have show, who struggled early in the year? You trade them for a bunch of good prospects, and mm. then turn around and trade some of those prospects for an older guy who struggled a lot at the beginning of the year, where you don't know how much is left in the tank. I mean, I, I he's been on fire since like, right. Know, April or I mean, remember how bad? Oh April no, he was, was bad. He was bad. I genuinely, I think the Mets' best case. Their course of action is going to be just rolling into camp with what they have with, you know, decent ads here and there. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you have to take a year to see if Brett Baby, Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Vientos, Francisco Alvarez, Grant Hartwig, Jose Budo, like you have to give these guys legitimate starts and legitimate runs just to see what they can do. I mean, they're, they're doing it now. Like, these guys are playing every day. Yeah, but I, you're gonna I, have to go in with a. You said one guy. Team. I, I I want Grant Hartwig sent to fucking Tokyo. I don't care. Hartwig's Hartwig's got it. I don't like how they're using him, and I don't don't care. Bucks I, Bucks always <laughs> had this weird thing of he just deems one guy as a long reliever, no matter what their background. Like you remember when he was given um John Curtis three innings outing. Three inning outings. Yeah, no, that was strange. Off the IL after that was Tommy that was really questionable. So I mean, I think when you use Grant Hartwig to his strengths and not as a long reliever, he's good. I don't know. And they showed that, and and he showed that his first time up. And they demote him in a roster crunch. They come bring him back up, and Buck kind of decides he's the long man again because you know, you, God forbid, you take Phil fucking Bickford out of the seventh inning. So I mean, I have my opinions. I still think they, I, I think they should consider shortening David Peterson up, and kind of trying to mold him into a multi-inning reliever. Because <clears throat> I believe yeah. he's now out of options. Probably. And that's too good of a piece to just DFA and move on from. Mm. I'm not sure what you can get for him in the trade market. Not much. So I, I think the Trevor Williams role is something they should really consider with him. I mean, that's something that I, I think really I really good, really and that good. change up dances. I will say, uh, I wasn't. I was very skeptical when they said Buddha's going to go back to the rotation, and maybe being in a six man rotation has helped get that little extra rest. He looked really good. He's looked really good. I mean, it's it's. I'll say it again: the the knowledge that in the information that is now flowing out of Port St. Lucie after they've really started to push operations forward with their pitching data lab. Now that there's, it's a much smarter organization now than it was six months ago. Sure. And then when you add in David Stearns at the top and, you know, possibly Craig Council on the bench. I think that's, that should be our, our next conversation. Is, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, again, <laughs> Look, I think you, I will, you I really need to consider. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and this is loosely sourced. 
Oh. Hashtag sauce. I have heard that there is a kind of there is a rumor that people well no, it's not a rumor. There are people that think that Alex Cora might be over Boston. His contract runs up at the end of the next year, so assuming his club option at the end of this year is picked up. Um, he's knocked down any rumors of him being promoted to their head of baseball operations and kind of the GM role working above Brian O'Halloran. Um, so, I mean, I think it's more of a depending on what way the club goes, there is a possibility that Cora asks out. And I think given his history in Boston and what they've won with him, I think that's something that would be respected. Mm-hmm. But I have heard that their Dominic Campbell is dealing for Bingham. Um, I'm excited. To see I, him. I, I have heard that there are people who think Cora might ask out. So I just looked it up. Cora's option. It was, it was a two-year deal with a two-year option. So at the end of 2022, they picked up the option for both years. So he is under contract through next season, but I mean, you we've seen still ask out. Sure. And you, I mean, hell, Bob Melvin, I think, was under contract for three more years with Oakland or whatever it was. Right. Yes. And Oakland he said, let me go. And they're like, sayonara. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, Diego. that would not be a Boston's shocking. in a tough spot, man. And I think Boston's in a spot where they shouldn't have fired Bloom. I agree. But I think they got needed the raw to end fire of a deal. someone. Because, I think you got the raw end of a deal. Well, and they, I think this is something we're going to look up in three years. And Roman Anthony is a stud. And Marcelo Mayer is a stud. And Brian Bello is a top 10 starter in the American League. And we're going to be sitting there like, that's Bloom's team. Mm-hmm. So I think they needed to do something. But there can't even really be a roster overhaul. No. I mean, I, I think his the, the bullpens he built were horrible. Yeah. I think, I think the, the he, one he obviously bad made the right call. he gave out this year was Kluber. Yeah, James Paxton's in Boston, right? Yeah, but that he's was... He's been fine. He's been he good. Just, he, he got hurt again, but... I mean, he's been good when he's been healthy. 100%. And you have to give Devers that contract. And I think he made, looking at what we've seen them from the market now, he made the right call not giving Bogarts that contract. Oh, my God. That... I think that he should have tried to extend Bogarts before. I think you maybe could have gotten him for a much cheaper and shorter number before. But once he hit the open market, I think letting him walk was the right idea. 11 years for, what was it, 310? Or was it 300 on the nose? I think it's 310. Still, uh, it could be eleven years for five cents. That what are we? That's craziness. Yeah, I know. So, you, I, mean, I know. We just said you're not going to talk about contracts, but giving a guy that was that's already thirty one, I think, eleven years plus. Listen, it's the San Diego Padres. We know how they operate when it comes to long term contracts. A lot of it's going to be deferred in the back half. Yeah, so I mean, probably you're paying that guy until he's forty eight. I mean, Machado, Bogarts. Soto, when they eventually re-sign him, and Tatis are all going to get paid into the 2050s. And, and here's another thing with San Diego. I don't know where I'm getting, getting the money for these guys, where they currently don't have a TV deal. What happened? 
Bally Sports, bro. <laughs> I don't know what you can and can't talk about. Uh, I happen to work for the government. Basically. The government of baseball. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Boston's in a messy spot. And yeah. someone had to take the blame. And I think firing O'Halloran would have been rough considering he's been with the team for a while. And I remember correctly, he's one of those Theo guys. So it's just it's an interesting it's it's an interesting spot because like I said, you had to do something, but there really was no good scapegoat. You can't overhaul the roster because there's nothing to really overhaul. In Boston, we're talking short term deals. Yeah, I mean it's all yeah. short term deals. You can't over you can't really fight you can't fire Alex Cora. No. You can't get rid of what's at the top aside from Bloom, maybe. Even then that was a stretch. I mean, the biggest thing on Bloom is this, none of his smaller short-term deals worked out. And even if you want to like give him give him crap for trading Mookie, let's get this, let's get some something out of here. Trading true. Mookie bets was not a high in Bloom decision. <laughs> no. It never was and it never will be. Whoever was coming in to take that job, their first directive by ownership was to trade Mookie Betts to get rid of a contract because they knew they weren't going to be able to pay him. Mookie Betts right. wanted to stay there. He's he's openly said it while he's in L.A. You can you can make the case that he traded for the wrong guys. Sure, that's a different conversation. But trying to say that he got off on the wrong foot because he traded Mookie Betts, that's just it's not it's just not true. Right. And I don't know. It's it's I think it's a mess there, but I wouldn't I think going back to the conversation before, sure. I think there's an outside shot that Alex Cora asks out and starts in that he might find his way to New York. Um I mean council council is the obvious leader in the clubhouse. But I think once you get past those two, it's gonna be interesting because you're gonna have a David Stern's guy. That just probably that just wasn't his GM. It wasn't his manager when he was in GM in Milwaukee. So it'll be it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, but I'm not sure. But I mean, it, it matters much less than it did previously because that's gonna be a lineup card coming from David Stern's desk, right? So I mean, it's not like Buck's drawing it up in his office anymore. It's gonna be a lineup card that comes from Stern's desk with a Bible basically on usages. And substitutions and game plan. Sure, it's going to be a manager that buys in the way David Stearns thinks and translates it, translates it to the bench. Yeah, it's not going to be a here's a GM manager pairing type thing. It's a going to be a, the manager is a disciple of the GM. Yeah, and I did find it interesting that some people are saying council is going to want to take a year off because he wants to see his kids more or something. So more. I have heard. And that, and that could be true. But I, don't know. I heard initially that council was not totally open to the idea of New York. He's, right. I mean, and I think people forget that immediately before becoming the manager in Milwaukee, council worked for the Brewers for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He was a special assistant to Stearns. I think he was on the coaching staff. And before that, he was playing as a Brewer. Mm-hmm. So he's been living in Milwaukee for, I don't know, probably 20 or so years now. So, I mean, I, and I we've talked about this before. People forget the human aspect. Right. 
he just might not want to move and knows that he is set for life in Milwaukee and his job is probably the most untouchable manager's job in baseball. Right. I mean, I've never seen a Brewers fan call for the firing of Craig Council. I've seen a million Dodger fans call for the firing of Dave Roberts, even though they're a wagon. I've seen Astro fans call for the firing of Dusty Baker. Which is lunacy. I've never seen a Brewers fan call for the firing of Craig Council. No. And I think that his, I mean, he has that job basically for as long as he wants it. Yeah. So I can, I can understand why he wouldn't. Because people are always like, well, you know, like, you always got to give these opportunities chances. Like, you have the privilege of working in baseball. Like, sure. But if you're basically the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, and you've been in this company working your way up for 15, 20 years. Why why would you want to leave if there's no end in sight? It's not like yeah. it's not like it's not like you're reading the writing on the wall and getting out before things get bad. Like the Brewers are gonna win the NL Central. Again. Again. They have the top prospect in baseball coming up next year. And they're gonna pull some more random, really good pitchers out of their ass. Sure. Like who's saw Joel Pimes being their setup guy? Right. I mean, then they, they develop these dudes like it's nobody's business. So yeah. I completely understand if Craig's mm-hmm. during, if Craig Council in the end is like, no, I'm good. I'd be like, all right, yeah, I had to try. Yeah. No, I, that's, I think... I'd be like, all right, I did my due diligence. I had to try. Completely get it. It makes total sense. Oh, it's, Brett it's not... Beatty. How about Brett Beatty getting a hit off a lefty to drive in a run? I'm watching the Binghamton Rumble Ponies right now. Cool. Tom Hamill pitching with his nutsack on the table. <laughs> this is what uh, this is another thing that I'm enjoying about this Mets team as opposed to what I said to open open the episode in 2021 is that in 2021 and end this year they're playing spoiler. But in 2021, they're getting their ass kicked. This year, they're actually playing spoiler. They're winning games they should not be winning. Well, and you're they also took watching three four John Villar. And Kevin Pillar and Dom Smith knowing he was at the end of his road. And a horrible Michael Conforto who could barely walk. Whereas opposed to now, like it's rookies and it's younger guys who are getting their chances and they're right. Are you know like electricity factories, like we said. Right. But I mean to the conversation at hand. Standing in white and Lacasha gets a pie pitch. He does that. He does that. Mm. But um Look, I think it's fair to hope the Mets get it, and I think it's fair to think like, logically it makes sense. But I think that's something I would not count on, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. Yeah, I just I, I this still isn't think... something where there's a leader in the clubhouse. No, I think, and just for for based on the respect that the guy has for him, if Buck Showalter says to uh, to Steve Cohen, "I want to come back for one more year," the job is his. And then that maybe that just works out because hey, I guess disagree. what? Guess what? That means Council could take his cushy year off, and then he can come back to New York. Alex Cora is at the end of his contract in twenty twenty four anyway, so it's right there. I Who disagree. Um, I think that David Stearns is going to be given autonomy to run the baseball operations department, and I don't think it's possible. Like I said, I could be wrong. <laughs> Notification from CBS Sports. Report, Craig Council may not be taking 2024 off and may be following former co-worker David Stern in New York. Well, Whoa. fuck this whole conversation. I'm so, going to go fuck myself. All right. Let's just get this whole fucking thing. Fuck you. It's been the amazing city. <laughs>
<laughs> are you are you shitting me? <laughs> but so I'm not I'm not Hold sure. On. Hold on. Where did you see this? I got notification from the CBS Sports app. It's not on their Twitter yet. Okay. <laughs> so we can legit just go fuck ourselves. Okay. Wow, man. Okay, it's from Heyman. Okay. The uh, title of his article, I'm not, which I'm not going to read because reading John Heyman makes me ashamed to be an educator. <laughs> um, Craig Council's 2024 plans could spur Mets Brewers bidding war. With all the respect to the Brewers, if you're getting a bid worth, the Mets are going to lose. But so, I mean, to my point that I was making earlier, um, I don't think David Stearns takes this job without knowing he has complete autonomy over the baseball operations department. Hmm. Meaning you don't think there's even one ounce of a conversation of Cohen saying there's a chance that Buck wants to stay. If he wants to stay, he has a job. No. Okay. I don't think because I mean, the number one thing Steve Cohen said is he'd let his baseball operations people run baseball operations. And I don't think I, I genuinely, I don't think David Stearns takes the job. If Steve tells him, okay, what to do, but <laughs> what I say goes in the end. Okay. Well, then I'll stand corrected. I mean, I, I just, I think David Stearns is too respected of a guy who could easily land a job in Boston or Houston or the Bronx or Texas if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, Chris Young is, is staying. He's yeah, got, he's already said Brian Cashman's staying. Right. But, but these are all, these these are jobs that open up if someone much better is available. Sure, but because these are because David Stearns is is a David Stearns is an executive that you fire your good general manager for. Yeah, I mean, even then you can hire David Stearns in over Chris Young. Sure, you could hire. I mean, he could go run baseball ops in Boston. He could go. You could hire him over Dana Brown in Houston. You could hire him over Cashman in New York. You could hire him over Ross Atkins. Yeah. And well, actually, I think they have a president. Is Shapiro their president? Of baseball I think so. But you, you can hire, hire. You could hire James Click. Well, there were there were issues with James Click that never came out. Just. There's a reason he didn't get another GM job. Listen, 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 guy. But right. well, my my point being, you can um, it's the it's not like he's coming to the Mets because that was his only option. No, 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 no. He's one of those guys and, where he can't. He can pretty much pick his position. He, he could have picked his position. So it's obvious the Mets are the right fit at the right time mm. for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I would be shocked if his world were, were Steve Cohen's like, oh, and by the way, I get to pick the manager. Like I have final say in the manager. If he wants to stay and I and I think he should stay, he stays. Like I, I don't think Stearns would agree to that. So um well now reading John Heyman's headline, I would say maybe there's a good chance that <laughs> David Stearns manages the Mets. But I think I mean Craig Council. Yeah, fuck it, whatever. Um, 
I but I do maintain my opinion of I'm not counting on it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. But yeah. I appreciate that this won't be like other years where we're like, hey, you know, I'm hearing they're talking to Brad Osmus. Yeah. You know, hey, remember this random utility guy from the 2000s? That's the assistant third base coach at a D3 school. <laughs> got two at-bats with the Mets. They're talking to him. So, um, I think... I think it's council's job if he wants it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's ultimately what's going to come down to the same way. This was always Stern's job if he wanted it. More so than any other executive, really. You know, in that alternate reality where Brian Cashman doesn't renew his contract. Mm-hmm. Considering he's personal friends with Steve Cohen. You know, in a world where Heim Bloom is the GM when Cohen buys the team. And not Billy Brody Van Wagenen. Mm-hmm. You know, even in a year in a in a world where they hire Matt Arnold, where they hire basically anybody but Theo or Bean. Um, this was Stern's job if he wanted it. So in the end, I don't think Epler I, I don't think Council wants it. You don't think. But I would be happy to be wrong. I'd be very happy for you to be wrong. I think Council's proving that he's one of the best managers in baseball, and he has been for quite some time. Well, and if there's one thing he's proven, it's that he can be on – he and his field staff can be on the same page as the front office, which sure. currently they do not have in Queens. No. So having those two on the same page is going to be um, and something that must have had since Sandy and Terry. And even then, they're on the same page. It wasn't the right page <laughs> or a good page for the but most they, part. But hell, they were on the same but page. They, they were on the same page. Jonas Cespedes got them on the, on the right page for like two months. Yeah. That's really about it. I can't think of another. I mean, Billy and Buck are the first GM manager combo to hold their positions in back-to-back years since Sandy and Terry in 2015-2016. Is that accurate? Yeah, because they had two years. Yet you had the Sandy stepped down. Terry got fired after he retired after twenty seventeen. You had Mickey eighteen and nineteen. Sandy stepped down in eighteen. Brody was nineteen twenty. Rojas was twenty twenty one. You had the shit show that was twenty one. Billy and Buck both started in twenty two, and they both worked in twenty three. Billy Epler is going to be the Mets' longest tenure GM since Sandy. And oh they have, Christ. including all the interims, had nine GMs since Sandy. <laughs> That's including when they had three interim GMs at the same time. In like a month. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, you yeah. had Porter and Scott and Sandy again, technically. I think technically Brian Alderson might have been in the interim GM. He, he was, yeah, there was something with him. So, I mean, that's going to be three straight years of the same GM for the Mets. Wow. That's sad to think about. That's really sad to think about. Maybe they should bring in Dave Gettleman. No, no. 
No, no, no. No, no, no. Hey, did you see the um? No, no, no. The White Sox new GM is they hired from the Blackhawks. Oh yeah, the yeah Tigers. Yeah. The Tigers, yeah, they hired yeah. from the Blackhawks. The White Sox, they just did the other genius move. They just, they just hired from within because when I think what they're doing well, on the inside is working great. I I think White Sox, yeah, they got they got <laughs> internally they got it figured out. Oh yeah, well oiled machine out in Chicago for sure. South side, they know what they know what they're doing. There's no turmoil there. Everybody loves each other. There's no mm-mm. everything is going nice and smooth out in Chi Town. Um, the Tigers, yeah, they hired a hockey guy. Grant, but it, I mean, look, the Browns hired a baseball guy and then made the playoffs. Right, but but the thing with, with the Tigers hiring that guy is that he at least spent a decade with the Cubs prior. Look, man, but, but then it's GMs so then the Blackhawks hired, hired baseball. <laughs> but but I think none of the GMs that have been hired off Theo's tree from his championship in Chicago have worked. It's a Belichickian like disaster. Well, you have so you got Scott Harris, right? Who is in Detroit in year one has not been good. Yeah, and he hired his own guy. Right. You got. Um, I mean, I, I even heard that AJ Hinch is basically running baseball operations. Oh, that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, you had Scott and Porter, you have O'Halloran, and you have Jed Hoyer. Hoyer is making is it's better this year. They'll go to the playoffs probably. Mm-hmm. They've been really bad. Uh, yeah, I, I, the Marlins though. The whole NL wild card is just such a chaotic mess. Yeah, it's bad. But none of them have worked. Let's bill check in. Reed is a pretty bad tree, too. It's about to be Matt Nagy twice. Maybe you can you can coach the Giants when they panic fire. They're not gonna fire Dable. Yeah they will. No they're not. When they're four and thirteen. Listen Daniel Jones listen, has a fractured vertebrae. Listen, uh, can you all of his vertebrae? Can you just let me enjoy September? <laughs> no. You know what? Hey, I had to sit. At least the Giants have a friggin' win. All right, and watch a tip drill hail mary. At least the Giants came just... back from twenty one and then blow an eighteen point lead at home. I'm sorry. I had to sit there and watch a tip drill hail mary. Result in one of the worst two play two point conversion play calls I've ever seen. That was a disaster. Should have been PI, but that was a disaster. If your first read is your number two receiver and double in pretty tight coverage with a linebacker sitting on the goal line, yeah, reading you the whole way as you're staring him down, not a good play call. No, but I, play call aside, they should have been passing appearance, but nonetheless, they shouldn't. Have, they should have been passing there. You have Javante Williams. I gotta let Russ cook. He's been good. That's the thing that really pisses me off. Russ has been fine. Russ has been fine. He's not the reason you're losing games anymore. But anyway, no. I um, I don't know what I was gonna say. I don't know what you're gonna say either. Shit. All right. Did you see the Nate Hackett quote from today? I did not. Uh, he said offensive line stats aren't real. 
they don't accurately reflect what's going on because a lot of the Jets' time is spent in a two-minute offense and on third down. Oh, man, I'm so happy that I was right that he's dumb. What? Get out. Nope, not even close. I overreacted. <laughs> Modern-day Gary Cohn. It was one of those... Listen, I'm just rooting for Lindor to get 30-30. It was one of those that looked really good off the bat. He kind of looked at it like it had a good shot, and then it fell like it, it 10 feet short of the track. It wasn't even close. Um, yeah, man. I... There's been a lot of very confusing quotes out of the football world recently. I don't think Justin. Uh, you're talking about the report where ever uh, be allowed Pat to talk in front of microphone again. What about the report? Oh, Pat Tillman, Tillman rated he, definitely Alan not Pat Tillman. Williams. He's been dead for quite some time. <laughs> you're talking about Peanut Tillman. <laughs> hey, he gone, Jack. <laughs> Jack is. I'm done. Hey, Jack's out. <laughs> Jack's finished. He's he's unplugging the microphone. <laughs> he's 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 saying sayonara. That's that's it for him. He's officially muted. He's still laughing. We could see it. Uh. <laughs> it's like the worst fuck up I can make. That wasn't great. <laughs> Can't be as bad as whatever they're gonna find on Alan Williams' computer. No, oh, I don't even. I don't even want to. I don't. I don't want to. Nope. Mm -mm, yeah. Nope. We're just seeing what first down. <laughs> Charge. Ah, talk about he gone. Jesus Christ. And they're trying to make it look like it's a health problem. It ain't no health problem. It. it you know. It's. It's a mental health problem. The mental health problem. <laughs> Just end it, please. Um, we, we still need to make some sort of prediction here. Um, how bad are the Giants going to lose today? Yes. <laughs> By 35. By 35. Okay, I'm, I'm going 31-10. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing more to say about that. Um, any final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Jack doesn't. He's not even unmuting his mic. He's he's still just giggling. He's laughing. He yep. Mike's unplugged. All right. Well, this has been. It's been an episode. It's been something. Um, <laughs> for Antonio Slater and Jack Ramsey, we hope you like the episode. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, do whatever you want. I don't even care. Just watch the Giants lose by three touchdowns. Let's see what the Mets can if they can beat Philly three or four more times. Uh, enjoy the end of the season. Enjoy your football. As always, LFGM.